Welcome to the Straight Cut. My name is Steve Garland. And I am Doug Groves. Aaron is on his honeymoon. So we uh, we had Doug fill in for him today. Dougie Fresh in the house. That's right. Excited to have you back yeah, on, Doug. Well, it's Aaron's honeymoon. It's Aaron Fresh right now. That's you know, right. That's right. <laughs> is this your third time on now? This is my, th- yeah, three times. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, we have a special guest tonight, uh, the newest employee at West End Cigars. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are y'all? Good. Good. Uh, so, Josh, you've been with us now, what, a week and a half? Two uh, weeks? Is like, I've got a paycheck, so it's like three weeks, something three like weeks that. Three weeks, probably? Yeah. Okay. Huh. Boy, time flies, doesn't it? Man, He's doesn't moving it. along at a good pace. <laughs> I'm working on it. Josh is working with us uh, on a part-time basis. Um, he's been a customer of ours for a while, and uh, we're glad to have him on in, on the team. Um, so we thought we would have him on this week to introduce you guys to him. So um, if you get a chance, come into the shop, say hi to him. Uh, this week, we are smoking the Room 101 Farce Maduro, um, which is a cigar that came out this year um, with Room 101. It's really good. You guys both smoked these multiple times. Oh, yeah. 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 I've at least, since we got it in the shop, I've smoked it at least I haven't half a dozen times. Mm-hmm. Yep, something like that. It's good. Yeah, it is a good cigar. Uh, I'd probably put it in that, like, medium to full strength. Uh, ton of flavor. Really, really good. We'll, we'll get in a little more to, uh, to the blend and everything as we go. Um, but we are also paired with the Stone's Throw. Let me make sure I say this right. <laughs> a lot riding on this. Uh, the Stones Throw Zapust Kottbusser, um, which is a German beer um, that was at one time extinct. So this is really, really good. I went down to the brewery uh, yesterday to pick this up, um, and I tried a couple of different ones, and I was like, well, this is interesting. Let me try that. He brought it to me. I was like, yep, this is it. This is the one we're doing. So Tell me about the beer. All right, so the beer is... Um, made by a small city um, called Cottbus. Um, it's the home of some unique gems. Um, it is Sorbian culture and the home of the uh, Cottbuser beer, which is what we're drinking. Um, so it's a, in Germany, what they would do, each like small town would have their own kind of beer that they would make. Um, and it was a local thing, and then they would, you know, swap beers with other people in other towns. It was a whole, it was a whole big thing, like pride thing for, for each of these uh, little towns. And so this is the one that was from there. Um, it was made illegal with the German unification and became extinct over a century um, until a handful of American craft brewers resurrected it, um, including Stone's Throw, and they have done a wonderful job with it. The name, of course, comes from the town, Kottbus. Um, that's the type of beer, but the uh, Zapust Festival is the first part of that name. So what they would do is they would hold a festival um, every year ahead of the spring um, sowing. So when the crops were ready to go, they'd hold a big festival, and then everybody got to work, right? So um, this was the beer they would drink during that, um, so that's why they named it that. Yeah, Germany's really cool. Uh, the time I spent there, all the different villages, Yeah, they all had their own brews, yeah, uh, they had their own wines. A lot of families had their own guest houses, and out behind the guest houses, you would see vineyards. Uh, so when you would go into the guest house to eat or visit with the local Germans, you know you were drinking local wine right out of their backyard per yeah. se. You yeah, know? yeah. A lot of German Americans immigrated over, and they 
they've kind of brought that into the U.S. I mean, here in Arkansas alone, up there in Altus, we've got a German vineyard that produces their own local. Yeah, there's a couple of vineyards up there. Um, They're really, really good. Yeah. But uh, this beer is an IBU of 14, uh, the ABV of 5.5%. It is a limited release. Um, I picked it up at the new Stiff Station Tap Room, which is awesome. Have you guys been there yet? Oh, yeah. Man, it is so cool. Yeah, I've been there one time. Uh, Got to yeah. go back. It's really nice. It is. Um, so we want to say thanks to Stone's Throw for the beer. It is phenomenal. You guys drinking it? What do you think? I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good beer. Yeah. Uh, does it seem kind of malty to you guys? Yeah, it's got uh, mm-hmm. it's a Pilsner wheat beer. You know, kind of maybe that's maybe that's what I'm getting. Yeah, definitely yeah. a Pilsner. Yeah. Um, Honey malt and oats. Yep. 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 I'm, getting, I'm getting that maltiness out of it. No, yeah. I like this a lot because, as you know, I like uh, Bach beer, good German Bach beer, which yeah. is always uh, a good malty brew. Yeah. And it's really easy to drink. It's very, very friendly, especially when it's as hot outside as it was today. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah this is a great beer for when it's really, really warm. It, uh, it's kind of light, you know. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't compare it to, like, Bud Light or something like that. It's not mm-hmm. to that, but... Um, it, it, it's a much higher quality flavor to me than a lot of your mass-produced light beers. But it's light enough that you could drink it on a hot day, yeah. you know, during a barbecue or whatever. It's, it's really good. All right. Well, like we said, Aaron is on his honeymoon. Um, he got married, what, a week ago Saturday? Saturday, yeah. Um, so they took off on their honeymoon. They're doing just a short trip to Atlanta um, this time, and they're taking a big trip to Ireland. So uh, you guys are both married. Where would you guys go on your honeymoons? Uh, yeah, so actually got married, and we did not take a honeymoon for two years. Uh, we didn't have a pot to piss in when we got married, so we had to save <laughs> up some money for a couple of years. But we went to St. Kitts uh, in the Caribbean. It's just north of South America. It's near St. Martin, some of those islands. Okay, sounds cool. Yeah, it was cool. It was a great trip. Beach uh, trip? It was a, it was a beach trip. Uh, we didn't do a lot of the tours that they give you to do at your resort we kind of hung out with well, a lo- we hung out with a lot of the local people usually busy too yeah we're yeah <laughs> on a honeymoon you're busy <laughs> but yeah, yeah they had bicycle they had bicycles there at the resort and we would actually uh get these bicycles and ride them to a local beach yeah. and we hung out with the local people and played volleyball that's cool yeah it was nice it was well, nice. this is what 1903 04 somewhere yeah, <laughs> You know, back when you got married, I'm, I'm sure you could do that. A lot of places now, you can't really uh, just hop on a bike and take off. No, of course, St. Saint, Saint Kitts is kind of a small island. Uh, okay, so you might be able to do it still. You can do that. I don't, I, of course, it was 1993 or four since I was there. I don't know if you could still now. Yeah. But at the time, you could. We were warned to be careful, but the beach we rode the bikes to weren't more than a mile away. And the cool thing about it was this island had monkeys on it. So while we're going down these dirt roads and these roads to the beach, these monkeys are hanging out by the road or they're hanging from the trees and they're, you know, they're yakking at you when you're riding your bike. They try bikes. to steal anything from you? No, but I love monkeys, so I thought that was the coolest thing. I wanted to get the bikes and ride to the beach every day just to see the monkeys. <laughs> well, you kind of are monkeys, so I, I get why you like them. Did you say they're yakking at you? <laughs> yeah, they were yakking. That's okay. a term. That's a term. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Jawing? What do you what do you call it? Barking? Jawing. I don't know what you would call a monkey. Yapping? I just say hollering. I don't know. Yeah. 
Where where'd you go on your honeymoon? You just got married. Yeah, so we haven't even been married a year yet, um, and we kind of did the same thing that Mo and Aaron are doing. Um, I just graduated from college. We got married in November. Excuse me. We got married in October. Uh-oh. Yeah, I'm getting in trouble. I hadn't even been a year yet. <laughs> uh, we got married in October, and I was thinking about how the honeymoon kind of rolled out. But anyways, um, we kind of did a staycation. We did... Five days, just stayed here in Little Rock, hung around, ate food. Um, didn't really get all, out all that much, but I'd been working like crazy through college and stuff yeah. like that, so I got to you know chill out and relax a little bit. And then went to Fort Benning for five months, and on the yeah, tail right end of that, that, yeah, exactly. We were only married for two and a half months before I left. Wow. And, uh, and then on the tail end of that, we went to Destin for yeah. uh, about a week and hung out down there. I got fried. She almost got eaten by a shark. It was, oh a, good, it was a good time. Yeah, eaten by a shark. So, yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. Well, I say that we were we were hanging out on the beach one day. I was smoking a cigar, drinking a beer. She wasn't, and uh, she decided to wait out there in the water without me. And I noticed she just went stiff as a board. And my wife was fair skinned, but she was whiter than usual. <laughs> and uh, I noticed, and I, I hollered at her and said, "Hey, you all, you all right?" And she said, "Yeah, uh, there's a big old fish over here, though, and I don't think it's a fish. I think it's a shark." And oh so I walked gosh. over there, and I'm a scuba diver. I've been doing that for years. And sure enough, it was about a six-foot-long shark not two feet from her. Dang, and, uh, So dude. I just said, don't that's move. Cra- that's crazy. Yeah. I'd Do you been. know what kind of shark it was? It was probably a white tip shark, you yeah. know, white fin, something like that. Nothing crazy, but uh, no. I just told her, hey, don't don't move. And I watched it swim past her, and as soon as it got past her, I piled out there and snagged her and literally picked her up and ran her back to shore. I'd have been uh-huh. running across the top of that water. So yeah. I got some brownie points for that, though. Yeah, you did. Did. yeah it was yeah, like Baywatch did. out there. Yeah, no kidding. So Zach Efron. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, though, you get married and then having to run off to uh, Fort Benning all of a sudden, that had to be tough. Yeah. It was tough, yeah. Not being able to see each other. We saw each other about every other weekend, um, and that was tough. She was finishing college. She graduated while I was gone. I was fortunate to get to come back for graduation. I had to leave for a weekend and uh, came back for a graduation. Obviously stopped in, saw you guys for a minute. But uh, after that, she was back and forth from Fort Benning. And it got a little easier after she graduated. Um, yeah. So, but it was, yeah, it was tough. It was tough. We met in Tupelo a lot. Cool cigar shop in Tupelo, though. Yeah, yeah, so Spring Street. Yeah, it was the first time I'd gotten to go there. I'd, I'd heard about it through y'all. Yeah. Um, yeah, good really, buddies of ours. Really nice people, yeah. And, you know, first day I walked in, they recognized the West End logo. And yeah. Brandon, of course, was the first guy to come up and then talked about y'all, but... They've got a great selection. Nice, nice people. Yeah, yeah, good store. Um, so I got married in Jamaica. We decided to do a destination wedding. Yeah. Because when we started making a list of like all the crap you got to do, I was like, let's just let's just look at it and see what happens, right? Yeah. So we were looking at getting married here and then having a honeymoon afterwards. I was like, let's just look at what it will cost us extra to go have our wedding there. And uh, it was not that much more. And I was like, please, let's do this. <laughs> Made sense. And so we did it. And uh, my parents came, her mom came, her grandma, um, an aunt and a cousin. Um, so we had a we had a small crowd there. Um, we got married in, in a garden where you could see the ocean through the back of the garden mm. because my wife hates sand. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we refused to get married on the beach. We got married in the garden next to the beach. Did you have any locals show up for the wedding? You know, like, yay, mon, one love, mon. Well, the people working at the resort nice. and then the officiant that does the wedding, yeah. Like a steel drum thing going on, like no, we didn't have any, type of thing. <laughs> we didn't have any steel drums. That would have been uh, unique. Yeah. What's, it, how, what's the wedding song on a steel drum? Like, how does that work? I don't know, man. <laughs> 
No, it was beautiful, though. We didn't have to do anything. We literally had, like, two conference calls with a wedding planner, and then we had a meeting the first day we got there with the wedding planner, and then we didn't have to do anything until the day we got married. Um, and so it was super relaxed, got to see family, and then they all left, and we got to just enjoy the resort, you know, hung out on the beach and, and swam in the ocean, swam in the pool, drank at the bar, smoked a couple cigars. I mean, it was it was a nice, good day. Nice. You know? So what's interesting, and I thought funny, is that um, they won't marry you the day you get there. You have to be there for two days before they'll let you get married in case someone changes their mind. Ah, okay. <laughs> Which is really interesting. Yeah, that checks out. Yeah, yeah. Still I, not totally sure you're married, though. No, we're not totally sure. Doug, have you heard this story? I've, I've heard it. I think you yeah. talked about it on uh, one did, of the previous yeah. podcasts with, with the wives. With the wives, yeah. 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 No, it's a good story, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, we're married in our minds. That's all that really matters to me. Uh, that's right. <laughs> Claim each other on your taxes. That's all that's that matters. Right. Yeah. As long as they let me file taxes, I'm good. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, Josh, you are in the military. You're in the National Guard, correct? Yes, sir, I am. Yep. All right, tell us what you do. So I'm an infantry officer in the National Guard. I've uh, I command an infantry platoon, light infantry, so nothing too fancy there. But um, I've been in for the last four years. Part of that time, I was a cadet going through ROTC, and then I commissioned, and uh, you know, shipped off to Fort Benning. I'm still a second lieutenant at the moment. Um, looking at putting on first, hopefully in the near future. But uh, that's that's the short and narrow of it. Basically, we get to uh, we get to do all the fun stuff, all the cool guy stuff that. A National Guard unit can do, um, which is, you know, it is what it is. But uh, as far as National Guard goes, we, we have the fun job. Yeah. So everybody doesn't think we have the fun job because we sleep in holes at night and it snowed on, rained on, all that stuff. But uh, Doug's a specialist at sleeping in holes. Uh, yeah. And, and I was a specialist too. Part of the uh, no pun E4 mafia. I, I hear I was part of the specialist mafia. Yeah. Something I had never heard of. We didn't have that in the 80s. But, uh, Josh, thank you for your service, brother. Uh, likewise. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you you guys, you know, I have so much respect for you guys. Uh, anybody that does military or, or police, fire, any service industry like that, mm-hmm. we, you know, we give a discount because we respect what you guys do. So definitely, definitely. It's awesome. Those guys sure. are awesome. It's a different breed. Yeah. Not everybody can do it. Yeah, you're right. I don't think I could. Some guy screaming in my face usually does not go well. Well, that's that. You know, that's know mainly short, for a short. I'm just saying, time, I don't think uh, I can get through that stage. Yeah, it's a mind game. <laughs> it is. I mean, if you've got a good head on your shoulders, yeah, you're going to make it through just fine. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is just being able to. It's all mind over matter. Yeah. Um, and as far as like, well, they won't take me now, so well, doesn't th- matter. There is that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the infantry specifically, I'm and I'm a big infantry nut. I'm. You know, I believe there are two branches in the military, two branches in the army at least, and I'm going to get some flack for this, but there's infantry and infantry support. Um, <laughs> and that's an army joke that people will get. But the infantry and, and is a... The, yeah. the one thing I believe about the army is there's a regular army, <clears throat> myself, then there's weekend warriors like yourself. Yeah, there, I know, I know. <laughs> I don't I start it too. on me, brother. That's fine. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I concede that point. Okay, I do. I heard a good military joke a little while back. Um, it was a... Uh, a Navy SEAL, a Marine, and an Army infantry, uh, they're in a bar drinking, right? They're in different country. Well, there's some trouble brewing. These guys come in looking for them. So they take off out the back door. They find this uh, ship. It's got all this different stuff on it. It's about to ship out. So the SEAL jumps in a uh, crate, says cows. Marine jumps in a uh, crate, says sheep, right? 
Army guy jumps in a sack, says potatoes. Mm-hmm, I've heard this. So they come <laughs> running around the corner chasing them. First guy knocks on the cow crate. Guy goes, moo. They walk up, knock on the sheep one. Guy goes, bah. They go up, kick the potato sack. Army guy goes, potato. potato. <laughs> stop <laughs> it. Yeah. Stop it. Uh-huh. Ah, for oh, sure. man. I wasn't for sure if I could tell that joke, not being an army guy, but no, I thought you guys would appreciate fine. it. You're good. You're good. You're sitting on the other side of the table. <laughs> Just remember, there's more of us than there is you tonight. That's, That's right. I got one for you. All right, let's hear it. So this is an officer joke. Dougie Fresh over here will appreciate this, but there's this battalion command meeting one morning, early in the morning. The battalion commander, his lieutenant colonel, comes in, and he's, you know, he's got his head hanging down towards his knees. He's just tired, and you can see the bags under his eyes. And he's late to the meeting, and he says, "Sorry, gentlemen, I'm, I apologize. My old lady kept me up last night. She's getting a little frisky." And I tell you, at this point in my life, we've been married twenty some odd years. It's a hundred percent work for me to get going on a weeknight. It just is, man. <laughs> And uh, he looks at the major who's sitting beside him, and he says, what do you think? I mean, y'all have been married like 15 years. What do you think? And he says, well, sir, to be honest with you, it's, it's probably about 75, 25 for me. I get where you're coming from. Really, I do. It's about 75% work. And he says, okay. And he looks at this young captain who's sitting beside him. They've only been married about eight years. And he says, what do you think? And the captain says, well, it, it's probably about 50-50 for me. I get, I get where y'all coming from, but, you know, a couple kids, it, it wears down on you. They look at this second lieutenant who's sitting there and the XO, first lieutenant who's sitting there, and they both they both agree that it's about 25% work, 75%, uh, 75%, well, if you will, pleasure, pleasure. at that yeah. point. Yeah. And uh, so unable to reach a consensus, all these officers are arguing back and forth trying to figure out if sex is work or pleasure. They look at this young private who's replacing the water jug in the water cooler, and they say, all right, private, what do you think? He says, well, sirs. I figure it's got to be 100% pleasure. And they said, how do you mean? And he says, because if there's any work involved, y'all have me doing it for you. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's a good one. So, <laughs> my private. Yeah. Yeah. Future oh, E4 Mafia right there. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, well, let's touch back on the cigar real quick. Uh, so, I'm about halfway through here. This is one of my favorite of the, of the Room 101 stuff. Including the old stuff that, that's not around anymore. Um, not quite as good as Johnny Tobacco Night. And then I think the new one, uh, the new Doomsayers, uh, I oh, think yeah. those two may be next in line. And then it would probably be this. Um, but it's real close between those. Um, but anyway, it's a uh, Mexican San Andreas wrapper, uh, Ecuadorian Sumatra binder, and three fillers. So Connecticut Broadleaf, Pennsylvania Broadleaf, and a Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. I know, Doug, you're a huge fan of that Pennsylvania Broadleaf. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Now, this, I'll tell you what, probably my two favorite rappers are San Andres and Connecticut Broadleaf. So, yeah, I'm digging on this cigar. I have for a while now since we've had it. Uh, it's definitely got some of that dirty chocolate that I like to talk about <laughs> oh, that yeah. I like out of a cigar. Dirty chocolate. It's definitely in this thing. Uh, yeah, the the cigars that Matt Booth and Room 101 are coming out with these days are phenomenal. Uh and this one is, and like you said, the Doomsayer is great. And uh, the tea that Matt Booth did with A.J. Fernandez oh, and Robert Caldwell, that oh, yeah. that's a phenomenal cigar, too. So, yeah, so yeah uh, Booth, is uh, he's on top of his game these days. For sure. I've, I've always been a Matt Booth fan. I like the stuff that he does. The the uh, And I know you're a Johnny Tobacconaut guy, and you know me. I defer on this one. I was a big Namakubi fan. Well, that's all right. You can be wrong every once in a while. Well, that's fair. <laughs> Somebody around here has got to be. But uh, I agree. Uh, as far as Maduros go, I'm a big Maduro smoker. I smoke a lot of strong, peppery, 
you know, earthy cigars, and this one falls right into what I like. Dirty chocolate. Is that a flavor you would describe yourself as enjoying? Uh, dirty chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I think it works better as like a professional dancer's name or something like that. But <laughs> That's Doug's stripper name. Yeah, Doug ladies, stripper name. ladies and gentlemen, up next, dirty chocolate. Put your hands together. Oh, goodness. So, That's funny. But, yeah. All right. Well, Josh, you've listened to the show for quite a while. Yeah. Um, so let's uh let's talk a little bit about your cigar experience uh what is your most memorable cigar well and, and if you don't mind before i get into that i'll say being gone for five months and being able to listen to the show i don't want to gush because i'm not that guy <laughs> but i got a little homesick here and there i'll admit to it everybody's human and getting to listen to the podcast while i was gone because y'all aired it while i was gone yeah yeah we did getting to listen to it i kept up with it there were late nights cleaning weapons or something like that where we had our phones that me and a bunch of guys are sitting around listening to the podcast while we're doing, you know, tedious work. So That's it, awesome. was, it was a lifesaver and really, really enjoyed it. But for my cigar, I remember listening to the first time you guys asked, what was your most memorable cigar? And I think it was with Brandon. Yep. It was like the first episode y'all did after introductions. And uh, I thought about it for a while and I was trying to place it. And then Aaron's dad came on the show yep. and it jogged my memory. Yep. My favorite, most memorable cigar smoke was here in this shop. And uh, my father passed away when I was a kid. I don't mind sharing that. My mother remarried to a great guy who's been a great dad for me, stepfather. But uh, he's my dad, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, he came in here with me one day, just out of the blue, tripped a little rock. And I talked him into coming in here. And we sit down and we smoked those. Uh, Robusto, A.J. Fernandez, H. Upman, the, the you know, the kind of teal blue, Tiffany H. blue H. band. Yeah. H. Upman by A.J. Fernandez. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Great cigar. Um, fantastic cigar. I bought them by the box. But we sit down, snagged a couple of Robustos out of the humidor and sit in the back corner and uh, just talked. And I think this may have even been before I was a member, so I didn't have, you know, access to the members lounge. So we just sit out in the main room, it was quiet, and just sit there and talked about all kinds of stuff. This is before I was married. I was engaged. And, uh, that for me was probably my most memorable or at least my favorite cigar the cigar itself is a great everyday smoke but it wasn't the cigar that made it special it was having that moment with my dad yeah and uh it was something yeah it, it you know the cigar you smoke in those moments means very little most of the time um it's all about the experience even if it is an incredible cigar yeah that's why we ask that question because we get some great stories just like that yeah you know for sure so cool we've had some i mean just kind of tacking on to that there were some really great times out in the field where my guys were good with bringing cigars out i started it a little travel humidor we were going out there and late at night if we were in a village or something like that and we weren't really worried about getting found because they knew where we were we were smoking cigars and i actually we were sitting up on top of a roof boiling hot smoking cigars and i hear from the ground lieutenant joiner my commander calling for me and i ran down and he said i want you to look up on the rooftop son and i looked up and it looked like you dropped an atom bomb on the roof of this building because there was like 30 <laughs> guys on this one roof all smoking cigars just this huge cloud coming off of it and he said i don't really care because you're not giving away position it doesn't matter they know we're here but i know you started this crap 
<laughs> and I just want you to know that I know, son. <laughs> Roger that, sir. He said, continue. And so I ran back upstairs and kept smoking cigars. But, Man, uh, that is, that's a really neat story. I like that. And I'm going to, rem- I'll probably not forget that story. Is it? It's really cool, but it poses a few questions. Try me. When you go to the field, yep. what type of cigars do you like to carry with you when you go to the field? Right. So I, I take, uh, I take what I, I mean, so on a military base, the cool thing about it is, is you can buy cigars and they're tax free. So, but I also don't take really long cigars. I take Robustos. Yeah. A lot of what I was carrying out there was Romeo and Julieta, um, the Nicaraguan 1875s. I found a, I found a place in Columbus where I could get those in a five pack and I would go pretty much every weekend to the same shop and grab a five pack for the field that week. Yeah. Um, and I was also taking a lot of Fuente short stories out there with me. Stuff that doesn't take you too long to smoke. Y'all know I love the Papas Fritas. I was taking those. I came back, and Brandon gave me a care package with a bunch of Papas Fritas in it, and they got nice. smoked in the field. Um, so, you know, people would probably say, I take cheap cigars to the field. I don't believe in cheap cigars. I take stuff I want to smoke, and yeah. I put it in a plastic bag in a travel humidor and smoke them while I'm out there. you got to find the right place and time for it because you can get hemmed up pretty bad for doing that. Yeah. My next question would be, you're not going to take your best stuff with you, cutter, lighter. I wouldn't think, or maybe you do. Sure. So I took uh, I took a perfect cutter that's not the perfect cutter I have with me here tonight, and I'm a big fan of the perfect cutter. But it was a perfect cutter that I got. I think I won it. So for, for listeners that don't know what that is, it's a cutter with a back on it so that you can't cut the cigar too deep. Right. Yeah, it gives you supposedly gives you the perfect depth Yeah. Um, every time you cut it, and I use the heck out of them. But uh, – I had won one, wasn't a Cuban Crafters Perfect Cutters, the, the main one that makes it, but I'd won one from the Drew Estate event that had the Undercrown Sun Grown logo on it, and that was my field cutter that went with me, something that I didn't mind too much because I think I actually have a couple of them. Um, and then lighter-wise, I took my trusty old Zycar ELX out there with nice, me. Nice, nice. Um, I think, I think I know who sold you that ELX. Yeah, it was you, Dougie, that's for right, sure. That's right, yeah. that's right. And that thing... I know y'all can't see it, obviously, but these guys have seen it. It's got a heck of a patina on it. It's spent part of its life in the bottom of mag pouches crammed <laughs> under some steel magazines. Uh, I dropped it in the mud, put it in a pocket, washed it, dried it, refilled it, and it struck the first time. I'm a big fan of that lighter. Oh, yeah. And it's it's bad looking. It's got some dents. but uh, Yeah, it's definitely got some patina on it. It's got some character. Yeah. Nice. nice. So, uh, but, yes, yeah, sir. No, I don't take the, the crazy stuff out there with me. I take stuff that's practical. And it works. Yeah, makes sense. Well, what are some of your uh, your favorite cigars? Okay, well, uh, as y'all know, I'm a big LFD guy. Uh, I'm an LFD hunter too. If I can find older TAAs and stuff like that, I really like it. I'm always on the hunt for older generation LG small batches and and uh, anything that's got a good age on it. I found a box of Chapter Ones that I think was four or five years old, um, and they were just nice black and oily, and I snagged yeah. those. So I smoke a lot of dark, strong LFD stuff like that. The Legal Line. Um, Legal Pravada. Legal Pravada, yeah, yeah, I'm crazy about that stuff. I'm a big Drew Estate guy. And if I had to, you know, everybody says you had to pick a couple brands, what would they be? It'd be LFD and Drew Estate for me. Yeah. Um, so the first cigar I ever smoked was an Undercrown from Drew Estate, uh, and I'll never forget that either. Yeah, that's a good cigar. So, and it's a spoiling way to start you off. Yeah, it is. your bar is set kind of high. I also smoke a lot of... Uh, Roma Craft, I like pretty much everything Roma puts out, and we carry some of their stuff in the shop. That Whiskey Rebellion's fantastic. Um, Cro Magnon's another one that I just can't get enough of. 
outside of that, to be honest with you, there's a lot of things that I'll smoke, but those yeah. are the big ones that come to mind off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, I like Davidoff stuff when I can find it, especially the late hour is something that's definitely on my list. Um, and when I travel, if I can find Davidoff, I, I stop and I'll snag a couple sticks because everybody's got a budget, but they're really good cigars. So that's what I tend to tend to lean more towards. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. Yeah, that is good. Some great brands, some great cigars. Uh, you and I, our palate is very close. Well, you, you're telling we, the truth. We smoke a lot of the same things. Well, yeah. pretty much, you, you've gotten me on a few things, because if you recommend it, I tend to smoke it and like it. And then I buy a lot of them. Yeah. So you're doing your job. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah. Wow. Now, other, other than your love for... For Pennsylvania Maduro, I agree with most of what you smoke. Look, Pennsylvania, good Pennsylvania Maduro are tobacco good. is hard yeah. to get, and I'm when you can you. find it, it's phenomenal. It's it it is it's strong, yeah, without a doubt. It's got some kick to it, but when you find it and it hits the mark, it oh, it's so nice. I don't like it as a wrapper. I think it's a good complimentary flavor inside of a cigar. You know what? I think you're right. I don't like it as a wrapper. The first few times I experienced Pennsylvania was definitely a wrapper. Yeah. Uh, and then I've, I've had it as a binder. Yeah. I've also had it as filler. And I, I I think my mind has changed. If I'm going to smoke Pennsylvania, I would rather it be filler or the binder. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still good. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not... I'm not saying the tobacco is not good. It's just not good as a wrapper. I think there's a few companies that still put out a Pennsylvania Maduro, but or the uh, Pennsylvania Broadleaf. But uh, you know that Connecticut Broadleaf is just so much better mm-hmm. of tobacco for a wrapper. Uh, so Josh, you were also into making knives. This is something you picked up in the Philippines. Well, uh, sort of, kind of. I've been doing it for a while, just kind of as a hobby. And then a really good friend of mine, while I was at college was going over to the Philippines doing mission work. And uh, I've had a, a interest in the Philippines for a long time through some of the combatives organizations I've worked with. A lot of those guys come out of the Philippines, if you can believe it. Um, but anyways, he was talking to me about this UN grant that he was trying to secure for small, we would call it in the U.S., we call it small business, but just basically small enterprise that could provide sustainable income for a family in the Philippines. And I said, well, the Philippines is a, is a, for lack of a better term, a blade culture. I mean, they carry the dang things on their hips through the streets and nobody bats an eye because they use them all day. They use them for everything. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a hammer. You unlock your door with it and you cut your meat with it and you chop coconuts. And you I mean, fight off uh, monkeys, yeah, fight kill off snakes, fight <laughs> off monkeys, kill snakes. Man, I have yeah. seen videos of these guys killing snakes. Yeah. With- with machetes, oh, yeah, and the yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And these snakes are huge. They're humongous. Yeah. Man, I couldn't live over there. Oh, you got to see them, man. They're crazy. I'd have nightmares. So no, but it's not that. But anyways, uh, I'm sure it's not as bad as what the internet makes it look like. You know, they're not snakes every two feet. Well, you know, no. but the internet is never wrong. <laughs> the problem is, is, yeah, exactly. The internet's never wrong. Yeah. Hashtag fake news. <laughs> <laughs> well, these things live in trees, man. They do. If you be yeah. walking down the road every couple dozen trees you'll see a snake coiled up in there they will man they're crazy oh yeah. i'm out yeah <laughs> I'm out. he's out dougie fresh is out that's it boys that's why i don't turkey hunt is because of snakes really yeah uh doesn't bother me any i'm just i just don't want to be around them like they don't bother me as long as i know where they're at but it's that one snake you sit down on a tree stump you're just sitting there waiting listening yep. and then all of a sudden you look down there's a snake around your foot and you're like mm-hmm. well 
I guess it's my time. Been yeah, there, we're going to have to quit talking about snakes. <laughs> right. yeah, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. I'll have nightmares. I have nightmares when I see when I see snakes on TV or something. I'll, I didn't know you were that scared of snakes. No, nah, and the nightmare is always me in my lawn. I'm mowing my lawn, and there's snakes everywhere in my lawn, and yeah. they're just I, I can't avoid them. And I wake up and I'm like cold sweating. It's you have the same nightmare over and over, over and over. I'm gonna start hiding yeah. rubber snakes all over the shop. Yeah. Give me one dead <laughs> lieutenant, brother. Let's go. <laughs> I didn't know you were that scared of snakes. I do not like snakes. The only good snake is a dead snake. Uh, you sound like my mother. I, you know, if they're in my lawn, I'm gonna probably kill them because I have dogs. But I don't mind. That, I don't mind them. Yeah, I don't mind the king snake because they're good for keeping away the bad snakes. Oh yeah, yeah. You know. But yeah, I don't. I, I don't know why I have that deal that I have about snakes. I grew yeah. up on the Mississippi River, cotton mouse, water moccasins yeah. everywhere. Yeah, I do. You ever, you ever had one drop down in your boat while you're fishing? Yes. Oh uh-huh. my gosh! Big Lake, Been Mallard there. Lake, up in Northeast Arkansas. Uh, yeah, you could. You'd be out on our flat bottom boats. Yeah, and there was guys that carried uh, sawed off twenty twos. Oh yeah, uh-huh. so they could just stick their arm up, point them up in the tree, and shoot them out. There was a guy that actually sunk his boat. Yeah, one dropped in the boat with him, and he just started shooting his boat. And here took comes the water. water. Yeah, he, he <laughs> took on water, and he's got to swim his boat best he can back to shore. Yep. Yeah, yeah not me. I'm out. Yeah, I had a buddy sink his boat duck hunting like three or four years ago. Uh, they got out. The boat was a little overweight, and uh, they caught some choppy water because the wind picked up out of nowhere. And uh, front end, bloop, right down in the water. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. That was an expensive day. That's no it. joke, man. Those snakes are no joke. Yeah. For sure. It's crazy. I don't like them dropping down in the boat. I'd jump out of the boat. Oh, I'd jump out. Yeah. I would jump out. Yeah. That, oh, man, you got to snag them puppies. Just fuck them. No. Yeah. No, sir. Uh-huh. I had another buddy that was uh, kayak fishing at a lake called Snake Lake. Oh my Checks gosh! Out. And one come up through the scupper hole in the in the bottom of the kayak. You just wanted to say scupper hole, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even sure if that's how you say it, but yeah, one come up through through the kayak into his kayak. Oh man, no. I, I'm okay with snakes. They can do what they want. I'm not fishing at a place place called Snake Lake. Man, I'm not doing at that. At least that it was aptly named. <laughs> yeah. He knew what he was in for. I know. So when I was <laughs> in Fort Sill, Oklahoma, we used to fish a lake, and we had a little honey hole that was full of catfish. And uh, we would go out there in the weekends. We'd set our tents up. We'd build a fire, and uh, we'd catch catfish all night long. And uh, even during the day when the sun was up, uh, had a stringer, one of those metal stringers, mm-hmm. had a metal stringer of catfish. Had it hooked to a, to a tree trunk. Sitting in the water, and every, well, I probably had four or five catfish on the stringer. And all of a sudden, I see my stringer just jerking back and forth. I start pulling it up, and the bottom catfish has got a water moccasin attached to it. And it, he's got half of the fish swallowed. Golly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. So the first thing I do That's is, a good size water moccasin. Is I, I've got my pickup, and I holler at my buddy, man, get my tire tool. He comes running over there with my tire tool. I tell him, hold my stringer. And I just started waylaying that <laughs> snake, man. Pow, pow, pow. So the snake finally lets go of the fish. I think it's dead because it's laying on his back and the white belly's facing up. Yeah. I'm thinking, that'd be kind of cool to have this snake, you know? No. So I reached down to grab this snake <laughs> and it rolled over on his belly and it popped his head up with his mouth open. 
Now we know yeah, the source I, of your nightmare. I, well, I did it in my pants right then, fellas. Did you really? Yeah, well, I came really close, <laughs> man. <laughs> Ooh, boy. Oh, my gosh. That's funny. That'll get you. Yeah. I'm not going to reach down and grab them. I've Even if it. I think they're dead, I don't. Well, I don't have a desire to. You know? I will never make that mistake again. I promise no. you. I've killed a few with uh, canoe paddles, without a doubt, on oh, the, yeah, on the Spring that. River up in North Arkansas. Floated that river several times. A lot of snakes. You know, I floated that this summer and I didn't see any. That's odd. Every time I've floated that river, I've seen snakes. Every yeah. time. Huh. That's interesting. Man, we made a hard left turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, welcome to the show. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we do. Exactly. <laughs> So you brought a knife here with you that you made. Yeah, I did. Well, in short, I went to the Philippines and learned how to make knives and basically help people set up knife-making places all over the country. Oh, okay. I mean, so it was cool. But I did I did bring one with me that I've made, and uh, y'all can kind of take a look at her if you want. Point being, the one that I'm proud of this knife because Whoa. I made it without electricity. That's not a knife. That's, yeah, that's a knife. <laughs> that's exactly. quite the blade. Yeah. Is that a bottle opener on this thing? No, that's yeah. a gut hook right there. But it could open a good yeah, bottle Yeah, you could open a bottle. Yeah, you yeah. could open a beer bottle with it. But I'm particularly proud of it because I made the entire thing without electricity. Wow. Um, so it's coal forged. It's yeah. a spring steel from underneath that's the truck. Cool. Um, and I, I honestly, it's all mahogany fittings. It's wild-grown mahogany in the Philippines. It grows all over the place. So I cured the wood. Hammered with it by hand? Uh, hammering an anvil. Yeah. I had an old English anvil over there with me that I sourced while I was there, and a, a couple of big old hammers and a steel forge, and or excuse me, cast iron forge. Coal forged it at 115 degrees in the Philippines next to a 2,000-degree forge on the 4th of July, if you can believe it. And uh, America. Did all the finishings. Yeah, forging on the 4th. <laughs> But I did Dude, all that the should be a tradition. Suits, We're yeah. forging on the fourth. Forging on the fourth, man. I can do it. Man, Josh, tell me about the sheath on this thing. For sure. So, like I say, it's it's uh, it's wild grown mahogany in the Philippines, and all of it's done. I did that with a with a crosscut saw and a uh, a sandpaper on a brick. And there's hardly any weight to this sheath. That's what I like about it. Yeah, and I mean, you, you see, can tell it's quality, but you can't. I'm holding it in my hand. I saw I'm holding it. What's it made out uh, of? Mahogany. Same as the handle. Yep, same as the handle. It's all mahogany, and those are. Uh, those are nickel pins that are in it, so that's why they're so pretty. And and when I finished it, I put in a belt loop so you can run a cord through the sheath. And that's how they wear it over there. They run a piece of, like, a cattle rope or hay twine <laughs> through it and uh, wear it around their waist. So, Yeah, that's cool. It's I a can, cutter. I can tell by your knife here that you've made. Obviously, that's not the only knife that you have ever made. No, sir. You must be fairly meticulous on what you're doing here because that that's – it's impressive. I take a great deal of care with it. Um, I have a lot of pride in, in working with my hands. It, it's something that I just, it all started out because I was doing this mission trip and I was also doing combatives and, and nobody really made a knife that suited my liking. There's a lot of them out there, but nobody made one that suited my liking that was under a thousand dollars, you know? And so I decided, well, if nobody's going to make one that I can buy and one that I like, I'll just make it myself. Yeah, and so I started doing it, and I've made quite a few. I made a tomahawk from our commander when he retired um, last year, and it looks pretty sweet. But um, I don't make them and sell them. I make them and enjoy them and give them to people that I like. So Yeah, they, uh, somebody couldn't do it for you. It's kind of like what my gramps used to say. If you want to do something right, you got to do it yourself. Exactly, exactly. So Speaking of gramps, we got some good news. Doug oh, yes. oh, yeah. has a new... Grandpa. Granddaddy over here. I am a new grandpa. Yeah, so the name 
my grandchild is supposed to call me. We'll see. She's a week and a half old right now. It's Pops. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm tickled to death. She's a cutie. Her name is Lucy. Oh, my goodness. And uh, I'm already in love with her. Yeah, so, she is a cutie. Yeah, she's going to be spoiled. It is my first. <laughs> and uh, So, yeah, I'm getting a little ribbing around the shop, you know. Every time I walk in the shop now, you know, hey, Gramps, hey, Granddad. You know, I'm not that old, but I am a Grandpa. Okay, we've been calling you Grandpa in here ironically for years. Yeah, now yeah. you actually are one. It's just the gray in my beard. Yeah. It's all the wisdom, Doug. Silver That's what it, fox. Is, it is the wisdom, and I am a silver fox. What I'm talking about. I agree. Totally. Well, congratulations, Doug. That's that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm that, happy for you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And, for sure. Uh, I will keep showing you guys plenty of pictures. Oh, I'm sure. Looking forward to it. Somebody the other day, one of the customers, said, uh, if you love that grandbaby half as much as you love your new dog, that baby will be great. Dude. <laughs> All right. Tell us about Jack. I love my dog. It's you the do coolest, love your dog. It's the coolest dog. I've had dogs my whole life, and this is the coolest dog I have ever, <laughs> ever had. But um, I haven't held my granddaughter yet. I yeah. will in a couple of weeks. I have uh, FaceTimed with my son and his wife. That dog cannot hold a candle yeah. to my granddaughter. No. no. Not even close. Yeah. There's no comparison. I'm with you. It's going to be a whole new experience. Yep. yep, it will be, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I wish y'all could see the sparkle in his eye right now. <laughs> That's right. Well, I might start tearing up here in a second. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We might want to move on to something All else. All right. All right. Well, Josh, what else do you like to do in your free time besides make knives? Well, um, play I a little out, bit of golf, right? I play a little bit of golf. Yeah, I hang yeah. out here a lot, but I play a little bit of golf, and I've I teach combatives, martial arts, um, here and there. I've been doing that for the better part of a decade. I think I'm sitting at eight years right now that I've been practicing, about four years of teaching. Um, so I do that quite a bit. But yeah, I play a little golf. I like being outside. I like golf more for the fact that I can smoke a cigar and drink beer while I'm doing yep. it. Yep, I'm with you. So there's that. I'm not good at golf. I'm really not. If well, I break a hundred, it's a really good day. Be all right. But uh, I, can, I had uh, I, I had a guy up. I had a guy tell me one time that there's two things in the world you don't have to be good at to enjoy. It's golf and sex. <laughs> uh, that's true. Hey, that's here, here. All righty then. I haven't hit the one year mark yet, so I don't know that I can weigh in on this without <laughs> getting cut off, as it were. So, oh goodness, no, you can weigh in. I can weigh in. Here, here. No, we'll just move on. <laughs> uh, so combative sports, is that what you called it? Uh, combatives and martial arts, yeah. I, mm -hmm. I used to sport fight um, when I was in high school. I did, and a little bit early in college. I really liked that. Um, like Muay Thai? Or? Yeah, I did Muay Thai for quite a while, and I still do that on occasions. Uh, I have a guy in New York City who does the same combatives system that I teach who's an incredible Muay Thai instructor, and another guy in Dallas, which I go to frequently, um, who's an incredible Muay Thai instructor, and I've worked with them. The guy in Dallas actually makes some of the knives that I really like and carry on the regular. And so they're really great guys, and I've, I've worked with them for quite a while. But anyways, um, that's, my, that's my passion. If I had to have one passion, that's my yeah. passion. Keeps me in shape. Um, and I don't know, just something about it. I fell in love with it when I was a young teenager. I've met a lot of really great people about it. And it's not unlike what we have here at the shop. It's about the community. Yeah. And there's guys all over the country and all over the world because the organization that I am an instructor teach out of is an international organization. So I know guys in Thailand and Malaysia and 
in Hispanic countries, Latin America, and uh, I mean all over the place that are just great guys that I've gotten to build relationships with. And I feel the same way about a lot of you guys up here is we got to build relationships and, you know, on your very worst day, those guys still want to support you and back you up. And, you know, I like the, uh, I like the phrase on your darkest day, when the enemy comes, call me brother and I'll come fight with you. Let me tell you something about Josh and his combative sporting. He's in the members room one night. (laughs) <laughs> All right, I'm in the back room. I'm walking down the hall. I'm headed to the cash register. I hear I hear Josh. He's coming out of the members' room. He turns the corner. Man, I break down like a linebacker about to nail a running back. Josh goes into full combat mode. <laughs> Man, I mean, the arms come up, you know, and I mean, I thought, yeah, this guy's going to take my head off. <laughs> he had my lighter. Uh, that was what it was. He had my lighter, and I knew he had my lighter, and he wasn't giving it up. So I was going to square with him in the hallway and see where we got. Oh, goodness. That's funny. And I can't help but say it on the podcast. we got to talk about the Dougie Fresh Cigar Cut Challenge. What? Enlighten me. Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, sword. Yeah. So, oh, oh, yeah. So, Let's talk about that. Yeah. Everybody remembers. It was the Ronza Kappa episode. Ronza Kappa. Ronza who? Ronza Kappa. Ronza Kappa. You got to run Ronza for your Kappa. life, Ronza Kappa. Yeah. It was the Ronza Kappa episode, and you said if you could have one thing to cut with a cigar, or to cut a cigar with that wasn't a cigar cutter or anything cigar related, a punch or a V-cut, anything like that, what would it be? And Doug said a samurai sword. And I did. me being me, I thought, I don't have a samurai sword, but I have a lot of other really long Filipino-style blades that I snagged <laughs> while I was over there. Challenge accepted. Yep. So the next week, I posted a video on my Instagram of me capping a cigar with a blade that's about 26 inches long. Josh, that was so awesome. I saw that video, and I was like, what yeah, in that the was a cool world video. is going on? And then he smoked it. He smoked the yeah, cigar. smoked the cigar. <laughs> right? How awesome is that? Yeah, it's a Perdomo... Uh, it was a Perdomo small batch, Rothschild. So it was a small cigar at that. Yeah. Did and you destroy any in the attempt? I took I took one extra cigar. Yeah. Yep. And I did. And I capped it. And it didn't destroy it per se. Um, it just cracked the wrapper. Yeah. And so I, I really... cut it a little more shallow. I did it a little bit more shallow of a cut. But the second time around, I took two practice swings and capped it. Nice. So well, I like the video because it was in slow motion as yeah. the blade was coming and you took that swipe at the cigar, and if you look real close, you can see the cap. The cap. It's yeah. just like the very tip of the cap just comes flying, flying off. off. You gotta look <laughs> yeah. close. But if you look close, you can see it. It's there. Well, and I took pictures in the aftermath. Shooting in slow mo, your quality goes down a little bit. Yeah. I've mean to redo it with a better camera. But um if you want to see it, I'll give you my shameless plug. My Instagram handle is at the bladed stogian. And it's all knives and cigars. Oh, yeah. Um, I've been doing that for a while. I've got shared by a few big names, and yeah. so that's been cool. But, Definitely. Uh, yeah, you take some cool photos with some unique knives and lighters and all kinds of stuff. And I try to I try to showcase some of the knives we have here in shop. We're a Benchmade dealer, and so I try to put some of those in there every now and again, especially on events. Um, but yeah. it's on there. That video's still up there, and the Aftermath pictures are still there as well. Yeah, we'll try to share it, too, on the, uh, the Straight Cut social media pages. Uh, while we're talking about that, guys, uh, make sure you go check us out on Instagram, Facebook, um, you know, website. Uh, check out West End Cigars. Um, you know, we've got some pretty cool stuff up. Make sure you go check out uh, Stone's Throw Brewing as well. Um, two locations here in Little Rock. 
Uh, so if you guys are anywhere near here, come by and pick up some of their beer. They've got phenomenal beer. Yes, they do. So you're also quite a big fan of guns. Oh, which my goodness. A lot of us here at the shop are. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. what is your favorite handgun? Okay. That's a toughie. It is a toughie. You should see the smile on his face right now. Oh, my gosh. It's ear to ear. It is. That's a toughie because I'm one of those gun guys that has a gun for all kinds of different stuff. Oh, yeah. So it depends on where I'm going and what I'm doing. Well, let's do this. What is your favorite everyday carry gun? Okay, my favorite everyday carry. A lot of people are going to say I'm wrong about this, but that's fine. I carry a SIG M11A1 quite a bit and that's a variance the army variant of the sig p229 mm-hmm. it's a nine millimeter 15 round double stack i carry it outside the waistband i'm a uh i'm a pretty thin guy i've never weighed more than a buck 65 and steve likes to laugh at me because i wear schmediums <laughs> um, we're the only guy we got that, yeah. that can wear a schmedium they buy cigar smoker <laughs> sizes and everything so i just accepted it a while ago and started buying larges <laughs> um, which has worked out in my favor because i figured out a large is just long enough that i can outside the waistband carry a compact firearm with nothing more than my shirt my t-shirt over it it's got enough billow nice. that you really can't tell it's there yeah. and uh so I do that the vast majority of the time. If I'm not carrying my SIG, I found a beautiful full stainless Springfield 1911 Champion, which is a four-inch model um, in 45 ACP. And much like some of the guys here in the shop, I'm a big 45 nut as well. Yeah. But uh, I carry those two pretty much all the time. There are a couple ins and outs firearms that I have for very rare occasions, like when I have to have my shirt tucked in. Um, and those are a lot smaller and they fit in your pocket or something. Yeah, yeah. Don't listen to those guys that uh, want to argue with you about what you carry. Yeah. Because guns are like cigars. Smoke what you like. Yeah. Carry, carry what, what you, you like. like. You know, I can always tell when uh, if Josh hasn't worked the night before and I didn't work the night before, I can come in the next morning to open the shop. But I can tell when he's been here as a customer. There's like a knife magazine or a gun magazine laying around. Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah, yeah, Josh was here yesterday. Yep. That's yeah. true. Okay, we got a couple others that are just as bad, and one of your regulars gives me a lot of those gun and yep. knife magazines. Yeah, so, I'm I sure do. he does. I read them in here. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to get out of the doghouse here. <laughs> but uh, I carry those two pretty frequently. I'm a big hunter, too, and I I hunt like crazy during season. Everything from bow to muzzle loader and modern gun, ducks, squirrels. You're talking about? Mainly, uh, mainly deer, duck, squirrel. What do you... I duck hunt every chance I get. I love to, but I don't get a lot of chances to do it. Yeah, I carry a Remington Versamax twelve. I've hunted yep. with that thing for forever. It's a great shotgun, and uh, I whitetail hunt a lot. Um, I've got some really, really old rifles that I whitetail hunt with grandfather and dad's guns. Yeah, um, and I hunt out of those. I hunt with those out of sentimentality, if you will. I think that's a word. Sentimentality. I don't know. Out of sentiment. There you go. I hunt with those out of sentiment. I don't know what the right word is. And you can say what you like, too. And I can say what I like, <laughs> yes. too. Aaron makes up words on the podcast all the time. Perfect. So you can do what you want. I've got a new word. Oh, let's hear it. Yeah. Is this a real word? Or you make it up. I, I, I guess I made it up. Is No, it's not. To answer your question, it is not a real word. It is fantacular. 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 Yeah, I was showing a guy a cigar the other day, and, you know, so I'm kind of like Steve. I like to use 
words to describe cigars and sometimes i use the word fantastic sometimes i use the word spectacular spectacular what came out of my mouth at that point <laughs> was man that cigar is fantacular did he say anything he bought the cigar did he say anything about oh, your he word? laughed he looked at me he i laughed. said it is man it's fantastic it's spectacular it's fantacular you know i just had to add oh and, man i'm gonna try that one <laughs> Fantacular. fantacular. We need to get a new label to put in the yeah. uh, in the humidor. It just says fantacular. I'm going to submit Shop that. Pick. I'm submitting that word to Webster Dictionary. Yeah. Doug's fantacular pick of the week. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> For sure. But yeah, Steve, we're getting close to that time of the year. Are you are you looking forward to it? Yeah, I. Uh, you know, I'm a big duck hunter. Yeah. I I deer hunt a little. I don't have a place to uh, gun hunt, so I'll bow hunt from time to time. But I'm just not into deer hunting as often. But yeah, duck season's right around the corner. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. You've got Canada goose and uh, teal season, I think, both going on right now. Um, so there's a lot of guys out doing that. We don't do a ton of that. We'll do a lot of goose hunting during the season, during duck season. Um, but it's still a little warm. You know, we're not getting a ton of birds down yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of your Canada geese that stay here will stay in areas that you can't hunt them. So that's why we don't really go looking for them. But I've got some buddies that are teal hunting. They just had a big dove hunt. Uh, it's open for a couple of weeks. Um, that's becoming a bigger thing again. They kind of hunted out all the dove in this area for a while. Right. And uh, Arkansas Game and Fish has done a great job of reintroducing more dove and building habitat to keep them here. And, a lot of and, sunflower fields. Yeah. They've done a spectacular job. And it's to the point now where they have, uh, they've actually set up fields and you go and draw a permit and uh, you have a, a spot, right? It'd be like number one through 20. And you go sit in your spot and and hunt the same field. Um, and so they've set up public hunts, public land use hunts um, that has that have been spectacular. We've got a couple customers that went and did that uh, this last week. So interesting, nice. I'm looking forward to it. I, you know, I found out my dog's got heartworms, so she's not hunting this year. Yeah. Until um, we get that taken care of, probably. Because um, she has to be somewhat restricted for that. Um, luckily, I've got a couple of buddies that have dogs, so they'll we'll use them this year. Um, as much as we can. So. Man, you have so many problems with your dogs. I know. I'm, I spend so much money on dogs. Yeah, the ball of yarn thing with the dog is... Yeah, uh, that's, I'll never forget that one. Me neither. Trust me. <laughs> neither will my wallet. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Did you hear this story? Yeah, oh, yeah. I heard oh, it. Yeah. Man. It's crazy. Sure. Yeah, so if, if no one knows, Steve has a dog that ate a whole ball of yarn. Yeah, she ate... Uh, when they, they had to go in and, and take it out, so they, she had to have surgery, and... Uh, when they pulled it out, it was like five inches wide by 14 inches long. That's just uh, big crazy. wad of yarn. Yeah. How does that even happen? Well, she has her stomach. She's old. She's real old. I mean, how old. can you? How, she's, I, there's no way I could swallow that. She's, so so she's, how, how could a She didn't I just mean, swallow it all at once. She's 13 years old, so she's an old basset hound. And she, mm-hmm. when her stomach gets upset, she looks for anything she can to eat to try to either make her expel what's in her right. stomach or make it settle down Kinda and like feel better. like dogs eat grass. Yeah, it's the same idea. Yeah. Uh, but she couldn't get outside, so she just found my wife's big into, you know, a lot of knitting and crochet and all this stuff. So um, she found a, a wad of yarn in the floor where, that my wife had been working on and uh, started eating it, you know, and just eat it pe- like like a piece of spaghetti, you know. <laughs> I mean, crazy. Um, we come home and she wasn't. She was real sluggish, not feeling good, so we took her to the vet, and they took it out, and then she had to have a couple of surgeries after that to fix fix some stuff. But she's good now. She's old. She's she's deaf and blind, almost. 
both at this point. But and yeah, they're into hard. everything. Oh yeah, Maddie and I just what well, my wife Maddie and I just adopted a uh, a baby German Shepherd. She's only well, she's about to be ten weeks old, and she is a piece of work, man. She is so <laughs> smart, so smart. Her parents yeah. are both military working dog lines, and so she's very very smart. But she is into everything. Oh yeah, and. uh I mean, if it lights up, blinks, shines, flashes, anything like that, she is on it. She chases shadows <laughs> and lights. If it moves, she is on it. She is going to be a working dog. And she could work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I believe. She does not yeah. really act like she needs sleep. Yeah, that's the way my lab is, man. I I, I, uh, I took her out. We ran like a mile and a half one day. We get back home. This is early in the morning. I get back home. She laid down for about five minutes, mm-hmm. cooled off. And then she's up in my lap trying to get me to go outside and play ball with her. Yep. We went and played ball like five or six times that day. We went for another run or a walk. Uh, come back. She wanted to play ball again. So we went and played again. And she just does not – she doesn't quit. Oh, yeah. She'll duck hunt all day long mm-hmm. and is happy to do it. It's crazy. That much energy wears me out. Oh, yeah. Wears me out, too. We were, me and my buddy have been building a fence in my backyard or rebuilding a fence in my backyard. And she just wants to help. Yeah. She stuck with us. We worked out there for 12 hours one day, and she was on us the entire time. And, you know, I didn't even, she's so small, I didn't even put her on a leash. And, you know, you worry about them running off and stuff. They're too curious. Yeah. She wants to see every move you make, every board you square, everything you do. And she is on it the entire time, and she's picking up patterns and stuff. She's crazy. I mean, she just she's so smart, but she's yeah. fair. She's a ball of energy. So she wears me and my wife out. So I got kind of a cool dog hunting story. My uh, my brother-in-law, Maddie's younger brother, but not the youngest of the three of them, so he's the middle, um, has a black lab that he uses as a duck dog. We were all out one day just kind of roaming around this deer lease that they've got in South Mississippi. And this is right after Maddie and I got married. This is Thanksgiving last year, so we hadn't been married a month yet. Yeah. And uh, me and her two brothers and her father are roaming around, and we stopped. And her brother had just built this real swanky 6.5 Creedmoor, real fancy gun that he was trying to hit a deer with. And two deer walked out on top of this hill. And I had this old 308 that was my father's. And um, three deer, excuse me, two deer walked up on this hill. It was three of them and me and the dog perked its ear up none of us even noticed it but the dog perked its ears up and sat down i kind of looked at the dog and then started looking around and sure enough we noticed the deer well my brother-in-law who's a big guy he's like six four takes a shot and misses the deer don't move what he was close to him that's crazy i mean he he hit two feet from him but they don't move and my father-in-law who had a new rifle took a shot at him and he missed. And so I looked and raised up and dropped the first deer, standing about 200 yards. And the second one still had moved? The second one moved about 12 feet, still on top of this hill. What the heck is wrong with this deer? And these are big deer. These are big old does. Second one moved about 12 feet. First one dropped and rolled over the backside of the hill. So I don't know if the deer just didn't see what happened. It was behind it and past the first one. Dog's still sitting there, not moving. My brother-in-law looks at me, and I handed him my rifle, and he shot and dropped the second deer with my gun. And the dog, when the second deer dropped like a bowling pin, just took off in a dead sprint. And you could tell she's a duck dog, but she, you know, 
whatever. It's an animal. Yeah. She took off running up there. We walked up uh, up there, two perfectly placed shots, and I made a bunch of offhanded comments about all these newfangled firearms <laughs> and how the old ways are best. And they ragged on me the whole way back, even though it was my gun that killed both the deer. <laughs> I don't know why. I can't believe the deer weren't moving. They didn't. Yeah, that's, uh, that's. I would have liked to have been part of that conversation the deer were having because they yeah. were in another world. And I got the meat in the freezer to prove it. That's crazy. I mean, it is what it yeah. is. But her mother called us. I was cleaning. I was cleaning both deer, <laughs> and uh, off the back of this four by four, and her mother called and said, "Hey, this was Thanksgiving Day." Said, "Hey, one of you guys getting home?" And Stephen said, "Josh was clean." Her father said, "Josh was cleaning up this second deer we just shot." She says, "What?" And he said, "Yeah, we just killed a couple of them." And we rolled back to the house, but we were late for Thanksgiving dinner because we killed two deer off the cuff with my rifle. So, <laughs> is what it is. But that dog, getting to watch the dog work was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty neat. My dog uh, last year hunted opening day, and uh, it was the first time I had her out. And uh, so it was interesting watching her mm-hmm. because with duck hunting, you're not supposed to look up. You're supposed to let the ducks come in, and then you shoot them as they're coming, as they're dropping, right? And, uh, so I'm, I'm working with the dogs that are first hunt with me. She'd hunted before, but the first time I had hunted her. And, uh, so I'm just kind of like holding on to her, kind of looking around a little bit, but not a ton. And, uh, I, I know the ducks are getting close cause we got one of the guys is calling. He's watching a couple other guys calling and, uh, she, she just starts shaking. She's watching, looking up into the sky and she just starts shaking. And that's how you know they're close. Right. Right. Cause at that point she sees them. So she can hear the wings when they're flying around. She's getting excited. Yep. So when she sees them, she starts shaking. When they get close enough for us to shoot them, she is shaking like crazy. But she will not move, and she will not make a noise when they're flying around. It's good Even dog. to the point where we had a group land in front of us, and there was a bigger group still working, so we decided not to shoot that group and wait. And she's just sitting there looking at them, just shaking, ready to, ready to go. And she won't go until I tell her to. Which is really, really that's awesome. Oh yeah, that's yeah, great. That's a good dog. I mean, it, right yeah, there. it's yeah. phenomenal. Um, but she's just sitting there shaking and did not. She didn't whine. She didn't bark. She didn't get off the stand. She just sat there and waited until we finally shot one, and I gave her the command, and she took off. I was so impressed. Watching a dog, a hunting dog, work is one of the coolest things in the world. Oh, Whether yeah. it's your dog or not, right? Just watching a hunting dog right. work like that is one of the best things I've ever been a part of. For sure, it's that's so awesome. cool. That's a good dog. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're about to that point. Let's uh, let's touch back on the cigar real quick before we do. So this cigar, um, like we said, the Room 101 Farce Maduro, um, San Andreas wrapper, comes in uh, four different sizes. So you've got the Papichulo, which is a 4x42, the Robusto, which is a 5.5x52, the Toro, uh, which is a 6x52, which is what we're smoking, and then the Magnum, which is a 6x60. They make this Papichulo in a few different blends, and it's a really good cigar. A little four by forty-two, real short cigar, but uh, smokes phenomenally. Um, or what, what'd you say? Fantacular. It is fantacular. <laughs> you better believe uh, it. It's fantacular. It, it smokes fantacularly. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, impressive. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you guys get a chance to go by your your local brick and mortar and and pick you some of these up. Um, they are great. We've been smoking a ton of these things. We sell a ton of Room 101. So, but I believe it's that time. You guys ready? It's about I'm ready, time. man. Let's I'm ready. It. All right, million dollars. But everybody knows what time it is. Everybody knows the rules. Oh yeah. Uh, MDB Games Rooster Teeth Podcast. This is their game. Uh, we love it. 
But this week's question is million dollars but. Every time you introduce yourself. Oh, no. Both your arms dislocate. <laughs> and we'll, I, can't, I can't do it. Well, what we'll say is you, you can pop them back in. Oh, my god! But you have to do it. I can't do it. Do you know how many times I introduce myself working at the cigar shop? <laughs> we have new customers constantly coming in through the door. Oh, yeah. Oh, but I you would, get a million dollars every time. Have you guys ever dislocated one a shoulder? Time. One time. A million I never have. One. I broke my arm. I never dislocated. Oh, I have my. done it more times than I can count. And, well, I've had it done to me more times than I can <laughs> count. And, uh, man, you know, I said when y'all started this thing that I would always take the money. But I, I work for ADT. I introduce myself on a daily basis. And I work here at the shop. And I'm always introducing myself can't believe the one podcast you got me on is the Finally. one yes. that I'm going to say you. mission accomplished I'm going to say you, no to but it is not <laughs> worth it cuz I've I have relocated my shoulders myself before and it is not a good time and it's it's you know, what's that Mel Gibson movie where he dislocates his shoulder to get yeah, out of the straight jacket? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. What was that movie? What was what was it? I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, lethal Weapon. Lethal, lethal Weapon. Lethal yeah. Weapon. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's underwater when he does it. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, and then he relocates him or something against a, the filing cabinet or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with Josh. I mean, there's no way I could do it. Hey, welcome to West End. I'm Doug. How are you? Oh my God! You couldn't shake your hand. <laughs> Not just on. one. I'll, I'll be right with you. Let me Both. go out here and slam my shoulder into this pole. Not just get... one though. Oh. Oh. Both of them. Okay. Both your arms dislocated. Hey, I'm Doug. Ouch. Hang on, I've got to go out here and slam both my shoulders into the pole to get them back in place. <laughs> I would Man, just stop introducing there's myself. There's no way. There's no. I'm out. Yeah, there is. A, you could do that. Could I get like a name tag and point at it? Does that count as yeah. introducing myself? Hey, how's myself? it going? <laughs> that's, I mean, even if you point at your name tag, that's a way of that introducing yourself? yourself, right? I don't think that qualifies. So if I could do that, my name tag would say, Hi, I'm Josh. But if I say that, both my arms are going to dislocate. <laughs> <laughs> so please don't ask me to say it. I'd get you a bigger name tag. Yeah, I'd need a big name tag. <laughs> but I, I'd get that embroidered on a shirt. <laughs> That's the only way I would do it. I don't think I would do it either. I can't do it. Not working here. I can't do it. There's no way. I don't Man. think most people could do this. What if you introduce yourself by a different name? Like what it if doesn't I matter. made it doesn't up say a that. pseudonym? It just says every time you introduce yourself. If I introduce myself as Steve, would Doesn't your matter. arms Introdu- dislocate themselves? Nope. Uh, you're still introducing yourself. Yeah. You might be lying about it. Yeah, you're it, lying, but, but you're still you're, introducing yourself. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you would get used to the pain either. No. I wonder no. what Aaron would do. Aaron I, would not take Aaron this. works with his hands. I don't think he would take no, it. No, he wouldn't take it. Aaron's a tough guy. Yeah, but I don't think he'd take that. Aaron's a tough guy who can't eat slick pickles. I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he would take it. Boom. This is what happens when you leave, Aaron. <laughs> I'm just saying, I love I don't think Aaron. It's worth it. Man, I could. I don't now, think. what if it was just a finger? What if it said million dollars, but every time you introduce yourself, your pinky finger just lost I think I could get a lot of hydros for a million dollars. I think I could, I could cover up the pain from my pinky finger for, I can get, somebody walks into the shop, I can get them in and out of here anywhere from, three to ten minutes i could probably put up with it but that wasn't the question you're right but this is what we do this is the game yeah it is the game but 
if it was a finger, however, to be honest with you, with a million dollars, I suppose I could stop working at these jobs where I have to introduce myself. Well, you'd still introduce yourself at random places. Yeah. Or you just learn to not introduce yourself, I I'd guess. I'd just buy a Caribbean island somewhere and you never have to You can't buy one for anybody. a million. No, you could go live on one. I could invest it, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I wouldn't take it. Even if it was a finger, I wouldn't take it. I use my hands too much. I'd probably do it for a finger and, like you said, just move somewhere where I didn't have to introduce myself all the time. Hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I really. It would be want, tough, though. I don't want to dislocate anything. Yeah, I kind of like, I like my body the way it is. Yeah, that would be tough. Yeah. I don't think I'd take it. So this is a unanimous no with all of us. Yeah, nope. Well, folks, we'd like to see what you say about this. Uh, hit us up on social media. Let us know what you think. Um, if you would take the money, I I don't see anybody taking this money. I don't know how you could. That would be tough. I, I mean, everybody at some point. I mean, I think about it. I mean, I probably do that on a daily basis, even when I'm not at work. Yeah. Well, because of your personality type, yeah, yeah. you introduce yourself yes. to everybody. I mean. Right? And that's something most of us do here that work here, yeah. just because that's how we function, right? You're going to introduce yourself to the customer, especially if it's somebody you don't know. So, like, if you walk up to someone and you don't even mention your name and you just say, hey, how you doing? And shake their hand. Well, that's not an that's, introduction. But you're introducing them no. to who you are as a person. No. You have to say I don't a name agree. or a name. You know. Yeah. It would be like an actual introduction. Hey, I'm Doug. Okay. Only way I could think about getting around is if I had no arms to start with. Well, if they were puppet arms. <laughs> if they were puppet arms, I might take it. <laughs> then it wouldn't hurt to dislocate them, right? They're I just full so. of cotton. Yeah. <laughs> if they were puppet arms or if I had no arms. You I'd just take shove it. the cotton up a little further. Oh, Let me relocate my arm here. Oh, so if you take the money when you've got puppet arms, or you get you take the money and you don't mind having puppet arms, only introduce yourself when the puppet arms show up, <laughs> and then when they dislocate, it's All not right, that big deep of a deal. Now. We're getting so, deep. So now. I would have to see a helicopter, get puppet arms, and then introduce myself. <laughs> sure, every I'd have to keep a helicopter on retainer. Oh goodness! A helicopter on retainer. You run out a million dollars quick. Hold on a minute, buddy. I got to go look at this helicopter right quick, and then I'll tell you my name. Well, it's got to hey, be flying. We we are trying to figure out how much money we can get through all the yeah. I'd be calling I mean, for lift off, man. Up. Yeah, that spinner up right now. I got to introduce myself to this guy. Well, so we were talking a couple weeks ago. We had the question about uh, waxing your your whole body every time yeah something i don't remember what it was but uh-huh. was it you that asked me that yeah i did yeah he asked me what was what the would least it you take would take yeah to wax your chest or something yeah it was to wax your chest it would take a lot of money for me to wax my chest i told him i would take a hundred dollars to do it dude we'll come up with a hundred dollars and wax your chest but see here's the thing is i don't have a lot of chest hair it don't matter i'll take a hundred dollars for you to wax it does my chest. not yes. matter Let's see what you got, bro. It would it's hurt. Not, it's not. It's really. It's not that bad. It would okay. hurt either it's not, way. It's not that bad, bro. I'm telling you right now, you would scream. We need to set this up. <laughs> we need to do this. We need to set it up. Care. If anybody wants to donate a hundred dollars, we'll buy the waxing kit. And we'll wax Josh's no, no, chest. No, 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 no. You don't get to wax my chest. That's oh, yeah. professional. No, 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 no. No, has to be a professional. Get to wax your chest. No, that wasn't the deal. Okay, what would it take for us to get to wax your chest? Oh, that's. A, I'd have to think about that one. I don't know. 
trust is a long way. I might take five hundred dollars for y'all to wax <laughs> my minute. chest. Aaron works in a tattoo parlor or shop, whatever he calls it. We could it. probably get a professional. So maybe Aaron knows a little bit about this whole waxing thing. I want to see a license. <laughs> I want to see a waxing license. Do you have to have a waxing license to do? You waxing? should have a waxing <laughs> license. <laughs> if you're not licensed, I don't want you around that crap. Yeah, wax on, wax off. Exactly. <laughs> I saw a video today of this guy. He was sleeping on the couch, and his wife took out waxing strips and put them on his chest and his stomach Ooh. and his armpit. And uh, he woke up. She ripped them all off, and he was screaming like a baby. Oh. You said $10,000, didn't you? I don't remember. It would take a lot. I think you said $10,000. Probably. I'd do it for ten grand. Man. You'd do a lot with Just 10 for grand. the chest? Yeah. Oh, I'd do it for less than that. Yeah. I might would do it for five. I would consider it at five. I'll let anybody wax it for 500. I don't care. Golly. That's crazy. I'm not doing that. No way. Steve's out. I'm out. Steve's out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Josh, thank you so much for coming on, buddy. We thank appreciate you. And uh, Doug, appreciate you filling in for Aaron. Anytime. Anytime. You got me. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, however you like to listen to your podcast. Uh, make sure you hit us up on social media. Interact with us. We've had a lot of fun interacting with you guys. You can find us on Facebook, uh, Straight Cut Podcast, um, Instagram, same thing. Um, just look us up, and uh, we would love to talk to you. Um, we are pretty quick about responding, so if you guys have any questions or anything or you'd like to hear something on the show, just let us know about it. And uh, we want to say thanks to West End Cigars for letting us use the facilities. Um, and thank you to Stone's Throw Brewing for the beer. Um, we have really enjoyed this. You guys are still enjoying the beer? Absolutely. Awesome. It's fantastical or whatever it is. <laughs> fantacular. 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 <laughs> it is fantacular. You were trying to remember the word. Yeah. <laughs> it is fantacular. Sometimes moment right there. Yeah. Now, sometimes I remember, sometimes I don't. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we will talk to you next week. Adios. Later. Later.